Taiwan appears headed for a second COVID peak, with more than 500 local cases reported for a second day in a row. Health Minister Chen Suzong announced 583 domestic infections, with 364 newly confirmed and 219 backlogged cases. That total represents a daily rise from the day before, not a good sign, the health minister says. Generally speaking, it seems like a second peak, but it's not very clear yet. We'll try to get a clearer picture so that we can see the direction the outbreak is headed. But currently, the signs aren't looking good. 34 of the cases are from a cluster that mainly involves migrant workers on a King Yuan electronics factory in Maoli. In addition, the health minister said that COVID cases were getting younger, possibly because they're engaging in more risky behaviours. The health minister urged the public not to engage in non-essential travel during the upcoming Dragon Boat Festival long weekend. In Greater Taipei, COVID spread has picked up in long-term care facilities. The Central Epidemic Command Center says COVID has been found in more than 60 centres, with nearly 200 infections so far. Experts say that long-term care facilities, such as nursing homes, are the Achilles heel of Taiwan's COVID defense. They say vulnerable residents and staff should be prioritized for vaccination. COVID is spreading like fire into long-term care facilities. One of the worst hit is a nursing home in Taipei's Xingyi district, where a cluster involving 38 people has resulted in the deaths of seven residents. At another aged care home in New Taipei, one resident has died and another 32 people have been infected so far. Experts warn that those at long-term care homes are especially vulnerable to the virus. When an outbreak hits a long-term care institution, there is indeed a greater risk because the residents are older and may have underlying diseases. So we should consider moving them up on the priority list for vaccination. At the CECC, discussions are underway over prioritizing people at long-term care homes for vaccination. On Thursday, it announced six rules for controlling spread at care facilities, including curbs on resident movement and a telemedicine protocol. It's advising against accepting new residents who are only to be admitted with proof of a negative PCR test. In addition, all COVID-positive residents of care homes must be hospitalized until they get a negative PCR test. Meanwhile, in Jilong, a dialysis clinic has reported a COVID case. Experts say that dialysis clinics are another weak link in the nation's pandemic defense. Patients who need kidney dialysis already have a weak immune system, and they are more likely to become infected. Therefore, in clinical settings, we have seen a great many dialysis patients becoming infected. Once they are infected with the COVID-19 virus, they are prone to developing severe symptoms and even death. We will strengthen our monitoring of dialysis clinics. If necessary, we will conduct antigen screening at regular intervals, something along those lines. At nursing homes across the country, many of the residents have chronic diseases or require kidney dialysis. Former health official Su Yiren says that given the vaccine shortage and the absence of a COVID cure, nursing home residents should be given remdesivir to reduce the risk of death and severe symptoms. In Europe and the U.S., COVID has taken a devastating toll in aged care homes. Experts urge action to prevent the same in Taiwan. The restaurant industry has been severely disrupted by restrictions on dining out. Chefs are pivoting to takeout and home delivery, and that includes the very top chefs in the country. Michelin-starred restaurants across Taipei are now offering their finest dishes as takeaways for the first time ever. Let's take a look. 
minced bok choy, braised meat, and garlic sizzle in the pan. This is just the rice dish. Next on the menu, slow braised meat in a delicious big bone broth with spring bamboo shoots. Michelin star delicacies are now available for takeaway. This two-star Michelin restaurant has switched to takeout since the ban on eating in began. They've even launched a 99 NT lunch deal to the delight of local office workers. The restaurant industry is suffering a shock from COVID. A Michelin eatery like this once had queues down the street for a seat. Not this weekend. But this chef is confident his team can adapt and thrive. I simply never even thought of selling lunchboxes. Today we sold a great number. If we all work together, we can drive this pandemic off. And there are other top restaurants with the same strategy. Yaga Chinese Restaurant, which has one Michelin star, is offering takeaway and delivery options, all at 15% off. Shanghai Nichuan, with two Michelin stars, has lunchboxes and five-dish sets to take away, also 15% off. Guesthouse at the Sheraton Grand, two stars, has frozen meals to order in advance. Meanwhile, Le Palais de Chine, three stars, offers all its sumptuous favorites for takeout. I'm sure takeaway meals can grow by at least 50%, no problem. The chefs are willing to step up to the plate. That means these celebrity chefs are the real deal and can take the heat. Their situation is a real test and a big challenge for Michelin chefs. And these top chefs have been in the game for 50 years. Enjoying a Michelin star meal once meant booking weeks in advance and still queuing up. Now there's no seats in the house, but you can have la creme de la creme in your very own home. Now, tempting as it may be to enjoy Michelin-starred food in the comfort of your own home, and with the rising levels of takeout across the nation, we ask, how safe is food delivery? Formosa News reporter Stephanie Yang speaks to a virologist to find out. Is COVID-19 transmitted through food or food packaging? How safe is takeout or delivery during the pandemic? These are some common questions people have about dining during the pandemic. Tengen University Emerging Viral Infections Director Shi Xingru says there are currently no reports that food transmits coronavirus, but the risks still exist. For the takeout of food, um, I think um, it's, um, it's unlikely to catch COVID-19. No report that uh, food will transmit coronavirus, but the risk does exist according to um, biological observation because uh, if somebody um, kind of cough and uh, the surface uh, kind of contaminated by virus and the virus uh, does can uh, exist for a while from epidemiological study and no report anyone got infected by surface contamination but uh, for biology we uh, artificially put um, virus different amounts of virus on the surface and then uh, wait for a while, we detect the title again. And um, it, uh, it just observed that uh, virus is still there. And especially when a virus title uh, is higher, then it can uh, last very long. Can COVID-19 stay alive on cold or uncooked food items? 
Dr. Shi and her team have conducted several experiments to see how long the virus survives on cold and hot environments. Their findings show that the virus lives on colder environments for a longer time. Yeah, we, we have uh, we have done such kind of experiments because we really um, concerned that probably virus can live uh, for a while, especially in a refrigerator or in a freezer. So we put a virus uh, into four degree or in minus uh, twenty degree, and our finding is that uh, until one month, the virus still alive, and especially for the mutant virus because for the virus. Um, uh, originated from Wuhan in the beginning this year. The virus is kind of not that stable, but uh, after April this year, the virus uh, got one mutation at position 614 from D to G. And uh, such kind of mutation, uh, that virus become more stable. So such kind of mutant we put into the minus 20 or minus uh, um, over 40. Until one month, we still can detect sufficient amount of virus. How can we eat safely amid the pandemic? Dr. Shi has these tips for safely eating takeout and delivery amid the pandemic. Um, transmitted from food, I think it, the, the risk is quite low. Yes, a probability is, is very low, probably um, one in 10,000. I, uh, you know, Uber, Uber Eat and Panda are my best friends. I don't have time to cook, so I usually buy such kind of way. So my uh, strategy is that I put the food uh, into another plate and use my own spoon, forks, etc. And um, if I have some concern, I put into microwave to reheat for uh, two to three minutes. And I'm not really sure the virus will die, but definitely will reduce the virus amount and it becomes safer. Dr. Shi says that although the risk of transmitting the virus through food is low, she still suggests that people wash their hands thoroughly, transfer the food from takeout containers to their own plates, use own utensils, and microwave the food for a few minutes before eating. For Most News, Stephanie Yang, Chen Bohan in Taipei. The cabinet has finalized Taiwan's COVID relief plan, which will roll out starting Friday. This outbreak started suddenly and spread fast, affecting many families and industries. The executive yuan has decided to allocate funds using last year's standards. Besides those bailouts, there will be an additional 10,000 handout for 250,000 children. Distribution will start on Friday. Low and middle-low income disadvantaged households will receive a direct payment of 1,500 NT per month for three months. Employees of some industries affected by the pandemic will receive up to 40,000 NT. Then on June 15th, a one-off 10,000 NT payment will go to families with children up to sixth grade, as well as children with disabilities up to 12th grade. Activists have been lobbying for people who are excluded from the government's COVID bailout. On Thursday, a Labour group said the bailout doesn't provide for the restaurant sector or its waitstaff, who are temporarily out of work due to the ban on dining in. While a housing justice activist called for rent relief to support people at risk of eviction due to the pandemic. 
Steering clear of environments with crowds and gatherings such as groups of homeless people or shelters is key to stopping the spread of COVID-19. It's been 20 days since Taiwan moved up to a level 3 COVID alert and people are urged not to leave their homes for non-essential reasons. But some people could soon not even have a home due to layoffs or work suspensions wrought by the pandemic. June, July, August and September. Perhaps during this period there should be a moratorium on evictions. There should be a ban on evicting tenants. This type of emergency order can be issued by the executive branch. It doesn't need to be done by amending the civil code. In a pandemic, the issue of housing justice is linked to public health. Local governments have taken the lead in lowering the rents for publicly owned properties. Taipei City has cut rents by 20% for its housing properties and by 50% for commercial buildings. It's waiving rent altogether for businesses forced to close due to the pandemic. The Taichung City government has reduced all social housing rents by 20%. Over in Kaohsiung, superficies and property leased by tendering are discounted by 30 to 60% from May to December. Don't do a bailout that only goes halfway. Give real, substantive support to laborers. In response to the recent COVID outbreak, the Legislative Yuan passed amendments to Taiwan's Pandemic Stimulus Act on May 31st. Fresh subsidies will start to go out on Friday. But a labor group says the new subsidies don't help all the people hit hard by the outbreak. For instance, activists say the bailout gives nothing to restaurants on grounds that they can continue operations via takeout and delivery. But by excluding restaurants, it denies support to restaurant waitstaff who, due to the ban on dining in, are temporarily out of work. The industries affected by this outbreak are different from those affected in the past, so the bailout program of the past cannot be applied directly to this situation. Activists called for a bailout that supports more of the people struggling in this difficult time. For Taiwan's public companies, all shareholder meetings are on hold until July due to the pandemic. On Thursday, lawmakers made the case for virtual shareholder meetings so that companies can get on with approving dividends, initiating mergers and other actions that require a shareholder vote. Taiwan's COVID outbreak has crashed head-on with shareholder meeting season in May and June. Previously, the FSC had ordered companies to postpone the meetings. But these lawmakers want the show to go on, with proceedings to be held virtually. Last year, during the pandemic, we saw 283 public companies in the U.S. host their shareholder meetings online. Since then, that number has risen considerably to 920. So it can be said that when it comes to exploring the technological capability and feasibility, as well as protecting the rights of shareholders, other countries are ahead of us. Even the legislative yuan has a tool for convening and voting online. Going forward, the issue won't be whether or not it is possible, but how to encourage private companies to do it. This is a move that is necessary and inevitable. But the FSC says virtual shareholder meetings come with their own set of challenges. If the whole process is conducted online, there may be concerns over black box operations. Taiwan firms use a cumulative voting system, and during a physical meeting, everyone present is keeping an eye on everyone else. When voting online, if the system isn't implemented well, there could be suspicions of wrongdoing. Suspicions like, what if the company faction has access to the system's backend and is peeking at the votes of another faction? By today's laws, shareholder meetings must be held in a physical format. Switching to virtual proceedings would require legislation as well as mechanisms to prevent foul play.
With pandemic restrictions tighter than ever and gyms shut, exercising at home is one of the biggest global trends of the COVID era. We spoke to some amateur fitness lovers about how they're keeping active at home, as well as fitness coaches to get tips on how to stay in shape through COVID. 目前全国的疫情警戒都升到了第三级，可以看到像是运动中心。The national COVID alert has been raised to level three. As you see, all venues like sports centers and gyms are temporarily closed. But now, the public has a good level of awareness about exercise and plenty of knowledge about how to work out. It's possible to do a lot of effective training on your own at home. A soft mat lies on the living room floor. This man trains his legs with a one-legged bridge. Mr. Zhang, who lives in northern Taiwan, normally trains regularly with a coach at a gym. So he's already built up quite a good understanding of how to exercise. And now that he's stuck at home, he can keep it up by himself. Meanwhile, Ms. Sun has started working from home since the pandemic worsened. She keeps up her fitness routine too, while keeping safe by staying at home. The pandemic is worse now, so I stay alone at home and I practice my yoga or I do workouts at home. I exercise regularly. I go to the gym almost every day. But my gym is closed now, so I have to exercise at home. It also works, and it means I don't come in contact with people, which would put me at risk of catching the virus. I think exercising at home is a great experience. We heard from professional fitness coaches on what elements to include in a good home workout. Squats. This is an exercise for your lower body. It's great for training the muscles in your legs and buttocks. Not everyone has exercise equipment at home. These coaches recommend exercises you can do with no facilities, like squats, push-ups and crunches. The best regimen combines workouts for the whole body, torso, core and legs. You can burn calories and control your weight just as well with home exercise. It can also reduce anxiety and depression. Most importantly, it can strengthen your immune system. You can totally stay in shape in quarantine. Lots of coaches offer online video classes that explain these and many more fitness tips in detail, so you can find a workout that works for you. Tropical storm Choi Wan is southwest of Taiwan and is expected to make its closest approach on Friday. A sea warning was issued for the storm at 4 p.m. Thursday. The storm is expected to weaken as it moves in, but it could bring big swells in the seas southwest of Taiwan, the Hongtuan Peninsula and the east coast. According to U.S. projections, Choi Wan will reach Cape Eluambi on Friday and sweep past southern Taiwan on Saturday.